Welcome to Third Flatiron's latest fantasy podcast from Boulder, Colorado. It calls upon several quite disparate things. Elvis, werewolves, and the author's love of sushi. Get ready to hear Wolf Call by Adele Gardner. Currently cataloging librarian for a public library in Virginia, Adele is a graduate of the Clarion West Writers' Workshop. She's also literary executor for her father, her mentor and namesake, Delbert R. Gardner. Adele's first poetry collection, Dreaming of Days in Astafel, appeared in 2011. With one long and one short poem winning third place in the Riesling Awards, she's had over 300 works of short fiction, poetry, art photography, and nonfiction published in venues such as Third Flatiron Anthologies, Strange Horizons, Daily Science Fiction, Podcastle, and many more. Two stories and a poem earned honorable mention in the year's best fantasy and horror. To find out more about Adele's new work, see the interview posted along with this podcast and visit her website at gardnercastle.com. For more podcasts from Third Flatiron, check out our website at thirdflatiron.com and subscribe to our feed. Third Flatiron is privileged to podcast This Howling Good Tale, which first appeared in our fall-winter 2015 anthology, Ain't Superstitious. And now, here's Wolf Call, read by Keely Rue. Wolf Call by Adele Gardner Saturday is my big night down at Diamond Bob's. The king never died for some folks, and believe me, there's nothing finer than belting out It's now or never while foxy women swoon. I love that gasp they take when they see me for the first time, eight feet tall in a white sequin suit, the dark curls on top of my crown slicked back into one flowing wave. And that strut. It feels so natural that sometimes I swagger when I'm only a wolf, and not even in costume. Naturally, a costume is all some people think I'm wearing, from a distance. But the women know. They stretch their arms towards me, straining for one touch of my fur, their hot little hands petting me. Sometimes the wolf comes out in them as well, and I go home with my gold lame in tatters. This Saturday was special, January 8th, the king's birthday. We had a big party planned. The underworld adores Elvis, but we'd heard rumors that the demons who owned Hell's barbells would try to stop tonight's festivities. They couldn't handle the competition. Claimed we were burying them. It was their own fault. The demons made food so hot it burned through human stomachs. Diamond Bobs appealed to both humans and supernaturals, so the only ones who came to their dingy bar were those who'd just clawed their way out of Hell. So there I was, doing my number, sweating like blazes with a jumpsuit and all that fur. The place was packed so tight I could barely see the tables. When I squinted, I could see demons drifting between the humans, wearing their people suits. Well, they were paying customers. Malice, Don Carlo, and Porter waited in the wings for the first sign of trouble, but the demons were dancing and swaying like everyone else. I'd just finished Suspicious Minds when Greta, excuse me, Bob, started waving from the bar. Now, I'm not one to disrupt a concert. Give the audience what they paid for, even if half of them are demons. As Bob gestured, I sang Hard-Headed Woman, 
and surrender, just to be sure she got the message. Bob waved the bar rag furiously. Well, that looked enough like a white flag. Plus, Bob's my boss. It doesn't pay to make her mad. I fixed the audience with a soulful look, letting a lock fall over one eye. Looks like it's time for a break. Would y'all excuse me for a moment? I waded through their cheers and clutching hands, nodding and smiling as I slid behind the bar. This had better be good, Bob, I said. Once I started performing, it felt like pulling out fur to leave them. Why do you keep calling me that? She flung the rag on the bar. That's what the sign says, isn't it? I asked innocently. Bob's always tended bar. Diamonds or no diamonds, without Bob, they're just gonna want their money back. She sighed and threw up her hands. Fine, just follow me, okay? We have a situation. We walked deep into the storeroom. Behind two cans of canola oil and a cask of Amontillado, a hole gaped in the stone floor. There wasn't any rubble. Some hungry beastie had gnawed its way up from the underworld while Bob wasn't looking. A demon sprawled by the hole, its head flattened, a shattered bottle of tequila mixed with the green goo. Guess he wasn't planning to use the front door, I said. How many more do you reckon? Gob demons never came in single drops. My tail puffed out. My reflection in the canisters looked like a sequined porcupine. I knew we should have rented more seats. You think they're here to see you? She eyed me critically. Other bars had animal heads tacked on the walls. Diamond Bob's was the only one that boasted a live werewolf. I went out and got Malice and the gang. Malice looks like a cross between the Jolly Green Giant and the Purple People Eater. Something resembling a stalk of broccoli tops his neck, and his pear-shaped body is a lovely shade of violet. No one knows what he is, and everyone's too afraid to ask. What's up, Rad? Malice asked. You know I prefer to be called Elvis. I raised my brows significantly, waggling the tufts and inclining my pompadour. Red was so out of date. My fur was brown, and my red human hair had already been followed out by the time I'd conjured the wolfskin from that old medieval manuscript. Malice rolled his eyes. Don Carlo, my mummy friend, groaned and tugged frantically at the bandages flying out from beneath his Armani suit and tangling in his bling. Stop him now, Don Carlo groaned. I can't afford to lose what's left of my stomach. Where's the sushi? That will only make him worse, observed Malice. I said, actually, I think a little sushi could solve all our problems. Bob stared angrily from me to that hole. There was a cold breeze blowing out of the floor, or was it Bob's eyes? You and your sushi. The world could be ending and you'd still want sushi. Sometimes I think you lose your mind when you put on that wolf suit. I shook my head violently. Curls flew into my eyes. Hang it all, she'd got me so upset I was mussing my hair. I told you never mention that. Why not? It's not like anyone wants to see what you look like without it. I decided to ignore her. Right now, there were more important things to worry about. I turned to Malice. He was a good... whatever. He'd halt their nefarious plot. I outlined my plan. 
What good is hot sauce going to do? They're demons. Exactly. Hot and spicy. Just the way they like it. I moved fast, collecting food and condiments. They'd go for the hot stuff first. It was our best chance to contain them before they wreaked so much carnage no amount of crooning would bring the humans back. We need more tequila. They love that devil worm. Don't forget the demon rum. We got any garlic buds? A bite of fellowship might do them good. You did not just make a joke about garlic. Porter the vampire spat involuntarily and turned his back with great dignity. But he couldn't fool me. I could see his shoulders shaking under that cloak. Malice said, Go easy, Red. You know how sensitive he is. I snorted. I knew all right. Porter had scared away some of our best customers, like the giantess and her tiny twin, by making soulful eyes at them. Porter had a lot of class, but when people see a vampire, certain assumptions just come naturally. I said, How about some hot and spicy frog legs? I resent that, said Malice. My grandfather was a frog. Bob helped me set up a table near the hole, where they'd smell it first thing. If I knew anything about the underworld, they were going to be hungry when they climbed out. Bob didn't look happy about the extra chairs, but Malice insisted the demons had a right to get off their feet. They'll go for that hot stuff first. We can lure them to the sushi with a little wasabi. Rad, I think you've got a sushi problem. Bob folded her arms across her chest. Is that what they call it these days? Malice mused. Oh, good, an intervention. Porter's fangs gleamed. I'd had enough of being insulted. My public was waiting for me. I've got to get back out there. You have fun holding down the demons. Malice grabbed my arm. Come on, Rad. That's Elvis to you, son. Greta, you talk to him. What's the point? Two demons poked elongated oval heads through the hole waving their sixteen scrawny arms like tentacles in an attempt to scare us with lack of elbows. I'll admit the teeth were horrifying. You can't chomp stone without chipping a few canines. I could see their nostrils working, two wide slits on either side of their heads. They'd caught the scent all right, but they surprised me. They bypassed the hot sauce and tequila altogether. Sushi. They moaned in unison. They had better taste than I'd thought. I'd been off the stage for a few minutes now. The crowd was getting restless. I left the devils in Bob's competent hands and took the stage. Camouflage demons milled with other paying customers. Maybe they were in cahoots with the gob demons, or maybe they'd just come to enjoy the show. Either way, until they started acting up, I wasn't going to deprive them of their favorite songs. I fixed my eyes on them and sang, Devil in Disguise. Bob kept disappearing into the storeroom. I sang louder to cover up demonic moans, but a man at a booth drowned me out. After his first shriek, his wife took up the caterwaul while he clutched his throat. Bob rushed over with a pitcher of milk. Everywhere, folks were gasping, their eyes bugging out. As I dropped from the stage and rushed to the victims, I discovered the cause. The demons had brought their own Tabasco and jalapenos, 
They're habanero peppers. Some of those clutching their stomachs were zombies and mummies, who downed glasses of the demon's Everclear, thinking it was water. One vampire who'd been nibbling through the crowd actually burst into flame. Well, two could play that game. I called for the sushi and wasabi. Don Carlo and Porter helped me with the trays. I have to admit, I got a little distracted. I had to fight hard passing around that sushi plate. My arms shook. I wanted to pop rice rolls and balls into my mouth like candy. The platter shivered. My hand was in the sushi. I stuffed pieces into screaming mouths. It was the only way to keep from gobbling up the goods myself. Sushi has a certain... How can I put this? It's a mystical experience. For every supernatural creature, it seems similarly enlightening. The sushi eater enters a dreamy state in which the underworld seems beautiful, and supernaturals and humans are brothers. Ever wonder how a werewolf bar could be so peaceful? Nothing calms a crowd like a good California roll. I couldn't resist. For every piece I put in someone's mouth, I hid one in my own. While patrons screamed, I was soon snorting and giggling, caught in a wave of sushi euphoria. Darn it all, the fool was definitely I. Malice shook me. I swayed dizzily, looking up at his green and purple height. He stuck an onion under my nose, and I came up spluttering. We're out of sushi, he muttered. All around us, brawls broke out, patrons punching each other, scrabbling for scraps. This was no party. It was a madhouse. I strode back to the stage, time to distract them. But while I'd been busy in the crowd, the demons had wormed their way on stage. They'd broken the mics and instruments. Even the house musicians had joined the melee. But I'd been waiting for an opportunity like this. While the room shrieked, I used my wolfish baritone to get their attention. It was now or never. What better time to try my new repertoire? Why did the werewolf cross the road? To get to the sushi bar. Two guys walk into a bar. How do you know which one is the werewolf? Watch who orders the sushi. A demon rolled on the floor, groaning and wheezing. Make him stop. Unfortunately, the jokes had the same effect on the humans. Those who could still stand were screaming insults and hurling silverware. A fork lodged in my pompadour. You stink! Get off the stage! Who ever heard of a hirsute Alvis? That was unfair, from a long hair with gold specks. Furry bat wings hovered over his tweeds. Harry back! A woman screamed. That stung! I looked around for support. Behind the bar, Don Carlo and Porter held a shaggy werewolf's shoulders, while Bob mixed something in a tub, pouring in bottle after bottle of clear alcohol. Malice was bashing demon heads with an empty sushi tray. There was only one thing to do. Even if they hated me, I knew someone they still loved. A werewolf's voice booms over any crowd. I howled as the king had done, giving them that old wolf call. I won't say they calmed down, but they were listening. I took a deep breath ran my hand through my hair and plucked out that gosh-darn fork. And then I squeezed the hurt they dealt me into tears as I crooned, Love me tender. As the silence spread, demons clutched one another and began slow dancing. A few dreamy humans traded partners by mistake.
As they danced with the devils, tiny flames burst from their hair. They didn't seem to notice. Bob and my friends were quietly circulating through the crowd with shot glasses of the witch's brew they'd been mixing behind the bar. At last, the moaning stopped. With streaming eyes, the patrons gradually recovered. Porter brought out his old Gibson from its hiding place in the storeroom. While he played lead guitar, I sang, Don't be cruel. But it was Hound Dog that really brought down the house. The last patrons finally filed out, sobbing and touching my hand. Women planted kisses on my cheek. As we stood outside, Bob brought me a shot of whatever they'd made. I held it up to the moon and eyed it dubiously. Buffalo punch, she explained with a tired but mischievous grin. Stirred by the hairiest werewolf legs we could find. The only thing that might strip the hair off a demon's back. I smiled back at her. Bob, you really take the cake. I downed the mixture. Dear Lord. Malice loomed beside me, his great eyes shining like twin moons in that stalk of a head. You know, Red, calling her Bob is kind of insulting. I mean, I know you're a monster, but you could at least be civil to the ladies. I sighed. Why can't you just call me Elvis? Greta said, What's the matter, Elvis? Don't you know we love you for who you are? I hugged her. I'm afraid my eyes missed it over. That was all right. The king had a right to be emotional on his birthday. We walked through the bar arm in arm. We'd have a lot to clean up before tomorrow night. Once word got around, we'd be busier than ever. My jokes had flopped, but... I had my eye on a better gimmick. Naked sushi. The thought of Greta as the platter had my mouth watering already. The end. Thanks for listening to this podcast from thirdflatiron.com. Original music by Disco Volante. Sound production was by Andrew Cairns.